I got to preface a little bit about tonight um, in that tonight's not normal. It's not a normal sermon for me, okay? This is, this is heavy teaching. We're going to go through ridiculous amounts of scripture, okay? If you go to mymomentumchurch.tv and click today's notes, I have all of the different scriptures listed there so that you can access them, go to them, read along with me. I'm reading in the New American Standard Version, so if you read, you know, Tom, James, you know, some other kind of version, right? Okay, so y'all are going to have to just follow along, all right? Um, and, and, and let me preface this by saying tonight is, tonight is like healing part one, okay? Because there's no way that I can go through everything. Was that me? That sounded really good. No, so, <laughs> I don't even know how to recover from that. So this is part one, okay? This is part one of the teaching, okay? And, and that, there's no way that we can cover all of the uh, intricacies and nuances um, that go into understanding healing fully. Um, also, you know, I, th- we're not here to force anything to happen, all right? We're, we're certainly not going to force anything to happen. I, I remember about 12 years ago, um, I was interested in the things of the Spirit. I hadn't really been exposed to much of the Spirit, but I had met Pastor Ross, and I knew there was some other stuff that I wasn't real sure about, and, and I had actually made fun of people for this kind of teaching. All right? So you need to understand that about me. I went down to a church south of Atlanta, a really large church, and they said, hey, uh, anybody that wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues, come down front. And I'm like... All right, we'll see if this is real or not. So I walk down front, and there's probably, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 people down front, you know, all getting prayed for to receive baptism, the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues, and, and, and I don't get it. I, it doesn't, it, nothing happens. And, and so, you know, it, we're there for a while. Um, everybody's praying and worshiping. Well, finally, they get tired of waiting for a few of us. And so they wrap up service, and they're like, all right, everybody, you can go home. Thanks for coming, except for you. And then they file us into a back room and start, like, praying over us to receive the baptism, and they won't let us go until we speak in tongues. So listen, about, I'm, about, I'm about 15 minutes into this, and I'm impatient. And I'm trying to understand and, and all of this, and, and I'm just like, listen, guys, this ain't happening. And they're trying to coach me now on how to speak in tongues. And so finally, I just fake it. I'm not even joking. I'm, I fake it. I fake it because I'm like, I, I got to go home. Like, I want to be with my friends, and I want to eat some food. And, and so I fake it, and they're like, praise the Lord. He received the baptism. And I'm like, y'all don't even know. Let me go home. So listen, I tell you that story because I have experienced uh, the real thing since then. Um, I, I've experienced a real, and, and let me tell you, it, it's, it's, it's something that is from God. And, 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 and what I'm teaching on tonight, if it's not from God, I don't want it. All right? And if it's not from God, you shouldn't want it. All right? So I, I have provided a lot of scripture tonight. And, and for those of you who are curious, um, it's going to be fun. For those of you who are skeptical like I was, I made fun of people like me tonight, all right? This is why I'm doing this, all right? Um, And for those of you that maybe you were raised around this, but you you haven't gotten an education on it, this is also for you. So let's open up to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6. 
There are going to be times that I read from my Bible tonight, uh, and there's going to be other times whenever I read from the screen because there's, I'm, there's just a lot of going back and forth here. Um, so the first thing that we need to understand is that Scripture teaches us this idea that how to live, how God wants us to live is passed down from generation to generation. All right, it's passed down from generation to generation. All, the, all of the, uh, the ways that God wants us to live, the things that he wants us to do, the way that he wants us to show that we love him, um, it's passed down from generation to generation. Here in chapter 6, verse 4 of Deuteronomy, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. So here's what's interesting about that, right? So um, it, it's talking about this idea uh, that you have to teach your sons and daughters how, how to go about living uh, out the word of God how to live in accordance with God's will. And, 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 and for those of you that may be skeptical in here and, and you're already kind of on edge, I, I want you, because you're, you're already, you're Bible knowledge folks, right? So you've read through the Old Testament and you see where a king lives in accordance with God and then what's expected of the son? To live in accordance with, with God's will, right? To, to live uh, a life that loves and honors God. And, and so they keep track of this through generation after generation after generation. You can see in, in, uh, in the uh, various gospels where they keep the lineage of Jesus. Why is that important? Because they need to know the lineage of the people that led up that were all loving and honoring God. They keep the lineage. Why? Because it's important that you pass stuff down from generation to generation. All of you parents in here or future parents, you need to pay attention to this because this is the expectation that's on your life. It's expected to be passed down from generation to generation, loving and honoring God. We can see it in uh, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, uh, if you could put that up on the screen for me. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Uh, this is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. Man, there's an idea of faith. Right? How do we even teach faith to our kids? But faith is something that was passed from a grandmother down to a mother down to a grandson. Right? We can see it all throughout Scripture. And then, and then we come and, and Jesus kind of doubles down a little bit on us, okay? Jesus doubles down and, and uh, there's this idea of discipleship, okay? Let's, let's take generation to generation to a little bit different level here. All right, so... There's this idea of discipleship. And if you've heard me teach on discipleship before, you know that uh, a disciple was somebody who had a rabbi, a teacher. And, and the idea of the disciple was that they were going to follow their rabbi for 15 years. Everybody say 15 years. 15 years, 15 years they were going to follow this teacher, and they were going to be exactly like their rabbi. Not, like, not just a little bit like not trying to do somewhat like, not being a, a son uh, following his mother's faith, right? But he wanted to be exactly like his rabbi. And there were qualifications to this. The, the qualifications were that you were the best of the best, that you had graduated at the highest of your class. In the top less than 1% of your class was what it took to become a disciple. And then once you graduated, then you still had to approach a rabbi and the rabbi had to, had to agree that you could follow him. So less than 1% of the population was qualified to become a disciple. 
And then Jesus comes along, and, and who does he grab? He grabs a bunch of fishermen. He grabs a tax collector, right? He grabs all these different people. Let's go to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, and we're going to go down to verse 20, but here's what you need to understand here. All right, so Jesus is talking to his disciples, and, and, and here's, does anybody remember the disciples doing signs and miracles? Anybody in here remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we remember that he does, that the disciples were supposed to be doing signs and miracles, but I'm going to jump up a little bit, and it's not on the screen behind me, but you can go back and, and check it out. These signs will accompany those who have believed. This is Jesus talking. These signs will accompany those who have believed. That's really interesting. It's, it's not talking about disciples anymore. Mark chapter 16, you go look it up. Mark chapter 16. And, and it talks about uh, being able to cast out demons, speaking in new tongues. Now it also talks about picking up serpents, which we ain't doing that. <laughs> there's a lot of teaching that goes into that, okay? And there's a reason why we don't, there's a reason why we don't handle snakes, okay? Because that's bad theology and there's that, that we got more, we don't have enough time for that. So. Yeah, that's, that's fun, bad theology. All right, but it also says that they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then, when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down to the right hand of God. And they went out, these are the disciples, they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. He says that whoever believes in Jesus, you can know that because there are signs that can follow those people who believe in Jesus and are preaching his gospel. And, and it says that the word was confirmed by the signs that followed. Let's go to the next passage. We're going to go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Now, here, here's the thing. So, you know, I just, we, we're going along here with the whole idea of disciples. Um, so, in verse 1 of chapter 10, it says, Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others. Everybody say others. others. Y'all is others. <laughs> if we go down here to verse 9, Jesus is talking about when, whatever city you enter into and they receive you, eat what is before you. And in verse 9, it says, And heal those in it who are sick. And say to them, so these aren't the disciples. The argument that I was always told growing up was that, yeah, that was for the disciples. That was for the apostles. Well, Jesus here, these are not disciples. These are others. And, and, and he's saying, y'all go out and heal the sick. In Mark, the same account of Jesus' life, he's saying, y'all go out and heal the sick. Now, here's the, here's the other part, because we're going to take it to a whole nother level. Anybody who believes should be going out and healing the sick. That's weird, but that's, that's what Scripture says. And then, and then let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 11, verse 1. And here we have Paul. Paul was not a disciple of Jesus. He wasn't, right? He actually tried, he was crucifying, or, or he was persecuting the people who followed Jesus. What does Paul say? He doesn't say, be imitators of Jesus. Does he say that? No, he does not say that. What he says is, be imitators of me, because I'm following Jesus. 
And, and see, this is where we take this. It's, it's this whole idea of, of things that how we're supposed to live is being passed down from generation to generation. And Paul is not a disciple, but he is an other. He is someone who believes in the name of Jesus. He is a disciple in, in, in the overarching church. And he says, you know what? I understand that all of this stuff that I'm seeing, that I'm experiencing, it's all supposed to be passed down from one person to the next, from one generation to the next. As a disciple, I'm supposed to live exactly like the rabbi. I'm, that is my goal in life, is to live exactly like Jesus. And since I am trying to live exactly like Jesus, you should be doing what I'm doing. And, and so now, now it's on us. Not that we have it all figured out. We're, we're constantly learning, constantly growing, constantly pursuing. But it is in that pursuit. The pursuit is what we pass down. And as you experience a little bit more, guess what? Your kids need to experience a little bit more because that's what you're passing down from one generation to the next, from one friend to the next because we're all in the family of God. So, Jesus is a good rabbi, right? He's kind of perfect. And so he understands that in order for us to, to follow in his footsteps, in order for us to, to do the stuff that he wants us to do as disciples in the church, we need two different things, okay? We need two things. We need authority and we need power. Everybody say authority and power. Authority and power. So here's where we're going to go, all right? We're going to start out with authority first. Authority first. Let's open up to Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to read in Matthew chapter 10 real quick, just, just because I need to. All right, so Matthew chapter 10, Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And as you go, pre I'm jumping out of verse 7, sorry. As you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. So now his disciples have instructions, right? They, they have instructions to take the authority that they've been given, and now they have to pass it down to the next generation. And so now we're going to go to Matthew chapter 28 here and take a look at what, what happens. So Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. All the authority that a rabbi had, he then passed to his disciple who became a rabbi. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, I skipped verse 18. Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All right, now he's, he's given them that authority. So we understand now that through generations being passed from one generation to the next and, and as disciples, we're called to live exactly like the previous generation that's living like Jesus. We now have authority that is being given to us through Jesus, through his disciples, through all of y'all, all right? From one generation to the next, we now have authority and, and, and we can see that authority. The, the way that that authority works is anybody in here ever prayed Something, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. Anybody in here prayed that before? Yeah, okay, good, most of you. All right, we'll increase that to 100% at some point. All right, so in Jesus' name, anybody in here ever wondered why we say that? Besides the fact that Jesus said to, 
right? Pray in my name, okay? Right, so here's the reason why. Because if you go back to like, the easiest way to explain it is go back to the Middle Ages. Middle Ages, you had all these kings, right? You had these kings, and a king would say, hey, go to this city and collect a tax for me. He'd send out his ambassador, his emissary, and he'd say, go collect a tax for me. I'm giving you the authority to do this. And so now this guy, the, em- the emissary, the ambassador, he would go and he would say, uh, in the name of the king, I declare thus and such a tax, right? That's what would happen. And so what you're doing whenever you're praying in Jesus' name is you are taking the authority of the king and you are being commissioned and saying, Jesus gave me commands to go out and make this happen. And he's given me his authority and I'm using Jesus' name because I'm using Jesus' authority that he gave to me. So now whenever I pray for something and I say, in Jesus' name, what I am doing is I am declaring to the person that's in front of me and I'm declaring to the enemy that's in front of me, you know what? We are going to do this purpose because that's what the king wants us to do. And if it's not in in the will of God in this moment, we're going to go to 1 John. Uh, That's the next scripture we're going to, 1 John. Here's the thing. If it's not in line with the king's will, then it's not going to be done. Unlike a physical king who can't control what's happening to to the ambassador who goes out to another city, we have an omnipresent God who is an omnipresent king that can be all places at all times. And so what he can do is he can say, whoa, 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 you're saying in Jesus' name, but this is not in my will. And so it's hard to accomplish what God does not want to have happen in his will. Let's go to first, uh, first John. I'm going to read it off of the screen. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything, y'all say anything, anything. according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. See, this is, this is how we operate in the authority of Jesus. And, and see, a lot of times we get afraid, like we're going to convince God to do something that's not in his will. Let me just put your minds at ease. That ain't going to happen. And, and, and you know what? Can I just say on behalf of everybody that's ever made a mistake in prayer, like you're going to mess up. It's going to happen. You're going to pray something earnestly. You feel like it's a good thing, but it's just not a God thing. And so sometimes we can pray good things that aren't in line with God's will. And so it doesn't happen, and then you're left going, man, what the heck? I I prayed, I had a good heart, and it was for good stuff. But God's like, well, I get that, and I appreciate that. I appreciate you trying to move in the authority that I've given you. That's a good thing. God's not going to condemn you for that. But it also ain't going to happen because it's not in line with his will. Let's go to power. Power's next. And I'm sorry, I'm kind of cruising through stuff tonight because, you know, we got a lot of ground to cover. Power is next. Let's go to the screen for this next, uh, for this next verse. John 16, 7 says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus talking. For if I do not go away, the helper. Now, why is that H capitalized? That's the Holy Spirit that he's talking about. The helper, and, and here's the thing, as you read your Bibles, you need to pay attention to stuff like that because that changes the meaning. That's talking about somebody specific, right? The helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you, right? So we know that Jesus has gone. He's gone back up into heaven. So that means that he is sending the Holy Spirit to you, all right? And here's what I love about this. It says the helper. 
the helper. Back in Genesis, right, whenever God creates Adam, he says it is not good for man to be alone. And so what do I need to do for Adam? I need to create a helper. So who does he create? He creates woman. And woman in that moment is a perfect helper for him. They are, they are perfectly suited together so that, why? So Because God gave them a charge to rule and subdue the earth. To rule over the earth, all the living things on it, and subdue it. And so together, in perfection, they were perfect for each other, but then sin entered the world. And now that, that woman and that man, they were no longer suitable helpers for each other to rule and subdue the earth. And so what has to happen is power has to come into this moment. And it's not just any power, it is the power. It's the Holy Spirit that has to come in. And Jesus sees this and he says, you know what, I'm going to send you something that is perfect. I'm going to send you my spirit because what I sent before, unfortunately, was not enough enough for you to rule and subdue like you're supposed to. And so now I'm going to send the Holy Spirit into your life and he will be the perfect helper. Why? So that you can accomplish the original will that you were put on this earth to accomplish. The original will was to rule and subdue this earth. It was to rule and to reign and subdue over the enemy, over every creeping thing, every sickness, every disease, every demon, everything you were equipped now to rule and reign over. In Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Here's what I love about this. So we're going to receive power. Power for what? Power, power not just for the gifts of the Spirit, right? Pentecostal people, we love the, the gifts of the Spirit. But let me tell you something. What Jesus says here is that these signs and the wonders that were supposed to accompany those who believe, like we heard back in Mark chapter 16, what was supposed to accompany those who believe, it was not for us, strictly. It was to be a witness of Jesus. That's what all of these gifts. So if we go through Romans and we look at some of the gifts, we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which we'll look at here in just a minute. Right? We can look at all of that stuff, and all of that stuff is good, but the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit is not just so that we can thrive off of it. It is so that we can go and spread the gospel of Jesus. And it says that those who are preaching the message of Jesus, you'll see these signs. And, and, and so, you know, here's the thing, though. Like, a lot of times I'll, I'll hear people that I say, well, I don't want to pray for healing for myself because it just feels selfish, right? I totally understand where you're coming from because you have, you have this idea where you're like, no, no, no. Like, I, I understand that there are gifts out there, but they're supposed to spread the gospel of Jesus. And you're absolutely right. But can I remind you also of the Shunammite woman whose son died? God-fearing woman. God-fearing woman taking care of the prophet. And her son dies, and the Shunammite woman cries out. And, and Elijah comes, and he raises that boy back to life. Listen, God wants to take care of his people. If you're going to move in any of the gifts of the Spirit, you know, you're going to see in 1 Corinthians 13, which we're going to go to in just a second, he loves you. He loves you, and, and he wants to take care of his people. But, but, it can't all just be about us. When it becomes all about us, it's no longer about Jesus. And, 
And as we move in some of the gifts of the Spirit here tonight, what you are going to need to keep in mind is that it is all about pointing to Jesus, pointing to his gospel. Let's keep moving. In Acts chapter 2, Verse 43, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders, and signs were taking place through the apostles. It's just more of the same confirmation. Everyone kept feeling a, a sense of awe. Man, I, I want us to be able tonight and for the next day and the next day for us to continue feeling a sense of awe. I mean, that, that's, that's what tonight is about, y'all. Tonight, tonight is not just about tonight and healing our sickness. It's not just about healing our infirmities. It's not just about healing our hearts. But tonight, tonight this teaching is so that you can leave here equipped to say, I'm going to work tomorrow, and I am. I know that this, this teacher friend of mine has been having this, this bout with sickness and I've been too scared to pray for her, but I have confidence now and I'm gonna go pray for her. And we're, tomorrow, tomorrow is gonna be the indicator of tonight. Tomorrow is gonna be the indicator of tonight. Let's get into the hang-up here. So there's a, there's a hang-up uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the theology that I was taught um, a while back. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I, I'm going go, to go to chapter 12 first and, and read through some of the, some of the gifts. And, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it, it, it's only listing some examples. It doesn't list the full gambit here. All right? uh, but in verse 4 it says, Now there are a variety of gifts but the same spirit. There are a variety of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, effecting of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So the, the hang-up with that is uh, what I had been taught uh, in school, and it's this idea of cessationism. Anybody heard the term cessationism before? So we're, we're going to get into that here in just a second. You're going to see where that comes from. So cessationism is, is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And, and you know what, let's just go ahead and read it and then we'll talk, okay? Let's, I'm going to read it off of here. Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, everybody say when the perfect comes. The partial will be done away. This is, this is the hang up right here, all right? It's talking about the gifts and them all being done away, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with the childish things. 
For now we see in a mirror dimly, but the face to face now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love, abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. So what I was taught was that, um, you know, whenever the perfect comes, that all of the gifts of the Spirit are going to be done away with. And, and, and I understand what they're saying, but, but here's the problem. If we look at it strictly based off of what they're saying, then uh, if we look at all of the gifts of the Spirit, then we have to be willing to say, okay, and, and, and Scripture doesn't say that all of the gifts are going to be done away with, right? But uh, the, the theology that I was taught by various professors that agree with this thought process, they start listing off stuff like tongues and healing that aren't mentioned there specifically. So if we're going to go along that theology, then we also have to get rid of administration. Did you know that administration was one of the gifts of the Spirit? Did you know that helps is one of the gifts of the Spirit? Did you know teaching is one of the things of the Spirit? I know, I know a bunch of teachers in here. Y'all all out of a job. If you don't believe that teachers are gifted by the Holy Spirit to teach, man, that's, that's difficult, right? So we have to get rid of all of the gifts because love, love is not a gift. Love is a characteristic of God. And, and so as we, look at, as we look at this idea of love, what Paul is saying here is he's saying, listen, you've got to understand that the character of God trumps the gifts of God. The gifts are, God, are, are from God, but they're here only so that we can uh, counteract the sin that's in this world so that we can better show the characteristics of God. So the gifts actually are here so that they can point to faith, hope, and love. They're here to point to that. And if you're not using the gifts, if you're, if you're speaking in tongues on Sunday morning and cussing at your waitress Sunday afternoon, you are not operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts point to the character of God, and that's what that is about. And, and, and the reason why I know this is because the very next sentence, the very next sentence in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, is he says this. Put that up there for me. He says, pursue love. That's God's characteristic. Yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Why does he say that if we're not supposed to have it? And the idea of when the perfect comes, that's the Bible. That's, that's, what the, that's what theologians say the perfect is. They say it's the Bible. Well, and we believe that the Bible is perfect, okay? We believe that it is inerrant, God-breathed. You know, it's, it's the Word of God. We, we believe that. But that's not what he's talking about, about the perfect, at least in my best understanding. I'll, I'll say that, and then you go research it for yourself. My best understanding is that, number one, it's Jesus, but number two, it's whenever he creates the new heaven and new earth, whenever things are perfect again, whenever he gives us a new body, and scripture says that there are no more tears. As far as I can tell, here on this earth, we still need the gift of healing. We still need the gift of prophecy, the, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom. Because here's what the word of knowledge, word of wisdom does. It, it, it pierces through the sinful hearts of man. 
and, and all of the guards that we hold up. We, we have all kinds of guards in our lives that, that prevent people from getting in. And, and, and non-Christians, Christians alike, we have these guards. But it's so that people don't know. It's so that they can't penetrate our heart and know what's really going on. And then God comes along in a gift through his spirit directly linked to yours. And he says, I can go right through those guards and I will show you what's on his heart. Why? Because I want him to know that I am God and that his works are not God. His money is not God. Nothing else is God, but I am. I can see through all of his guards. Isn't that helpful? It's not there so that we can be weird. It's there so that we can penetrate the guards that people have and then say, okay, the reason why I know this is because Jesus is the Son of God. And he's connected me with his Holy Spirit. And until the day that the new heaven and the new earth and we have new, brand new, perfect bodies comes, all of these things are necessary. Show me a gift in Scripture that is not necessary. I can't find one. We're going to wrap this up here. Can I get seven people, seven people, come, for, come forward? Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to dance or anything like that. I need, I need seven people to sit on chairs here. Just grab any chair that you want, seven people. And then pull the signs in front of you so that you don't break the signs and everybody can see them. <laughs> can you put the next scripture up there for me? Let's go to the next one, I'm sorry. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 2 and 6, he says, And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. Departing, they began going throughout the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Let's go to the next verse. Matthew 10. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples. He gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. He's saying, you heal the sick. You raise the dead. You cleanse the lepers. You cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely get it. If we understand all of this, right, we understand that the idea of Scripture is that uh, the way that we're supposed to live is passed down from one generation to the next. And then Jesus comes along and he compounds that. And he says, all right, this idea of discipleship where you're not just passing one thing down to the next and hoping that somebody's going to live better, but that you're actually supposed to live exactly like your rabbi. And now that qualification for discipleship, I'm removing it. You're all disciples. If you believe in me, you're all disciples now. It's on all of you. And so he says, I want you to live just like I do. And, and because I want you to live like I do, I'm going to give you two things. I'm going to give you authority and I'm going to give you power. You need both of those to live exactly like I'm living. So I'm giving both of them to you. Freely you have received, now freely give. And, and you're gonna be able to move in those things until the new heaven and new earth come. And so here's the thing, I want you to go and heal the sick. You cast out the demons. You go and preach the gospel. You go and prophesy. You go and move in a word of knowledge. You go and move in a word of wisdom. You go, you do this.
It's on all of us to go and preach the gospel and move in the things that he wanted us to move in, the things that he did himself. And we have the access to this. And, and for me, you know, for me for a long time, the way that I prayed, the way that I prayed was, you know, if somebody was like sick, right? We, we've gotten these prayer requests before. I know that you, I know you've had this happen to you. You get a prayer request, somebody's like, hey, I'm sick and can you pray for me? We pray like the good luck prayer. Anybody prayed the good luck prayer? Like, all right, Lord, I know you're big. And in theory, you can do everything. So hope they get better. That's not, what, that's not what God called us to do. Jesus put a specific call on us and he said, you go heal the sick. What we're doing is we are operating within the authority that's given to us according to God's will. And so now all of a sudden it changes. And if you understand that you were called to rule and subdue the earth, you were called to have dominion and authority over uh, the sickness on this earth, then what you do is you start commanding that sickness to leave that person in the name of Jesus. You command that ankle to heal in the name of Jesus. And you say, I've been given the authority. And and, and what I do now is I, I have the tendency to remind myself so sometimes we all need to remind ourselves. You see that all throughout scripture where they're reminded of who God is and who they are supposed to be, right? And so they remind themselves. And so I'll have the tendency whenever I'm praying for healing for somebody, I'll remind myself, God, your son, Jesus, died on the cross for me. He bled and died, paid for my sins. And then he rose again and he gave us authority. And he's called us to be ambassadors on this earth, to move for his kingdom. And so, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I command this this ankle to heal. In the name of Jesus, I'm taking authority over this, and I command you to heal. Sickness, I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. And you can pray that confidently. And let me tell you how you can pray it confidently. So the best illustration that I have Best illustration I have is uh, if you have a spigot on the side of your house, right? You have a spigot on the side of your house, you have this hose, and, and then you got the sprayer nozzle, right? So here's the thing in this illustration God is the spigot on the side of the house. As you're praying for healing, God is that spigot. And so uh, a few different things can happen here. You can't control whether that spigot is turned on, you're the sprayer nozzle. Right? So you start commanding healing to happen and a couple of things can happen. You're opening up your end and, and for one of a number of different reasons, maybe it's not in God's will at that moment for healing to come. And, and that's gonna be covered on another night of healing. Right? Maybe that's not in God's will at that time for it to come like that. And so the spigot doesn't open, but you're squeezing the trigger. Another way that healing doesn't come is if God is ready in his will and he turns that spigot on and he's ready for the miracle to flow and you never pull the trigger. You never pull the trigger. Why? Because you're, maybe you're too scared. Maybe you're, you're nervous. Maybe, maybe it's gonna sound weird, but you never pull the trigger. And so healing can't come because here's the reason why I had all these people up here. The reason why I have all these people up here is because y'all are the sprayer nozzle. It's, it's, up, to all, it's up to all y'all. It's up to all y'all to be the sprayer nozzle. And, and, and whenever you choose to open up that sprayer valve, right, you, you see the need and you know, well, I've been given authority 
and I'm supposed to heal the sick. So if I'm supposed to have his authority and I'm supposed to have his power, then I'm just gonna open up the sprayer nozzle and see what happens. And, and so we open up the sprayer nozzle and, and there are times, a lot of times that, that we'll see that all of a sudden you open it up and God opens it up and the miracle comes and you can't explain it any other way. Got to put, I've got to put one disclaimer on this. There are times whenever we open up the sprayer nozzle and God says, yeah, I'm going to open up my end, but I'm going to do it through doctors. Listen, can I tell you how a word of knowledge can, can penetrate into a moment where, where healing needs to come? My mom had ovarian cancer. I'm gonna to try to get through this without tearing up. My mom had ovarian cancer and she went to the doctor because she felt like, she, she didn't know what it was, but God was speaking to you, mom. <laughs> and she knows that now. And I love that because me and my mom, we work a lot alike. Like, <laughs> we'll be like, we're gonna go do something because we feel like something's happening and we're supposed to. And then we find out later, oh wait, that was God talking to us in the moment, right? And so God told my mom, hey, something's wrong and, and you need to go to the doctor and tell them there's something wrong and that you probably have ovarian cancer. So she gets up there and she talks to the doctor and says, hey, you need to check me out because I think I have ovarian cancer. And the doctor's like, you're crazy. And she's like, no, 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 check me out. And so they take her in and they scan her and sure enough, she has ovarian cancer and they're able to treat it. And they only had a, a three percent chance of success rate and because the because God came through and, and told her you need to go tell him this now all of a sudden he gets it ahead of time and she's able to come through and now she's still here today don't turn down the opportunity, if, if you open the sprayer and command healing and God says, all right, I'm gonna open up my end, but you need to understand it's coming through doctors, trust God. I don't care how the healing comes. Lord, bring the healing. <laughs> Let's pray. God, thank you so much for tonight, Lord. God, I, I thank you, Lord, that we can hold fast to your word, Lord. Lord, you have provided written down teaching for us, Lord. God, and, and in the midst of all of our thoughts and our ideas, God, and Lord, I, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that we don't condemn anybody who doesn't believe like we believe in this place. Lord, as long as we believe in Jesus, God, I pray blessing over those people, Lord. God, but for us tonight, Lord, God, we see in your scripture the, the potential for you to show up and do amazing supernatural signs and wonders, Lord. And according to your word, according to your scripture, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray that you will open up the gates over this place, Lord, and that your miracles will rain down in this place, God. Let us never be the same, Lord. Let us be changed forever, God. Lord, let us walk out of here with new confidence. Let us walk out of here with new faith. Let us walk out of here stronger than when we came in, Lord. Let us go out into the world preaching your gospel, Lord, and according to your word, let signs confirm your word. Let signs confirm your name. In the name of Jesus, everybody said. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. 
For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.